Well, welcome to Beyond the Youth Room podcast, and uh, my name is Keith Seymour, and this is Ryan Cottle. And we're here today to talk about the important aspect of youth ministry programming and how we can prioritize our values in our weekly programming. So stay tuned for today's lesson. So today is uh, all things youth ministry programming and how we can reflect our values, our priorities in our programming, uh, how to plan ahead for that. One of the most important things that like, I've noticed when people ask about youth ministry, uh, and in fact, a lot of it's here in this area. I know when, I, when we talk to new youth pastors, the, the main question is what program works in this area? Mm-hmm. Like I remember having a conversation with a guy in our network that just joined. He was like frustrated with all the things that he was trying and they weren't working. His senior pastor had put all this pressure on him to to, to try to come up with the, the silver bullet program mm-hmm. that would reach all the students in the area and all this stuff. And, uh, and I just said no program is is actually going to reach everybody like it, um, yeah. God anoints people not programs mm-hmm. and uh, and it was that through that conversation that you know led him to to really prioritize his values in his program so that he wasn't changing to the latest thing well now we got to try moving it up an hour or we need to try doing it on a different night or we try to do it during sunday mornings or sunday nights or whatever and so when it comes to um, valuing and prioritizing values within programming, I think that's a key aspect of, of youth ministry so that we can make sure that we're doing the most important mm-hmm. things, not just keeping them busy. So yeah. tell us a little bit about um, your uh, background with programming and how you guys made some switches mm-hmm. to to really focus in on prioritizing um, some of the key aspects of, of effective youth ministry in your own ministry. Yeah, and I think this is it's, it's a really good conversation to have because um, – Sometimes we we separate out based on when we do our programs, right? It's like, well, we meet Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Well, we meet Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, or we meet, you know, only Wednesday nights. And and so there's a lot of different things. When I first uh, came on staff, you know, we had Sunday mornings, and uh, we had Sunday nights, and we had Wednesday nights, and it was it was good. But through that process of kind of saying, okay, what is working? What's actually accomplishing what we want it to accomplish? You know, we had a conversation with our leadership. We said, hey, Sunday morning really isn't, you know, reflecting our priorities of what we're trying to do. And they were supportive of that. And we just moved to Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And the reason we did that was not because it was like, well, it's too much work. It was, hey, it's not really accomplishing what we want it to accomplish. And so, yeah, I've heard a lot of consternation about, well, you know, we we switched to this night because more kids can come this night. Or we, we did this because it just works better with schedules and things like that. And that's not to say that's bad. But the reality is if we're just trying to base our programs around what's most convenient, then we're probably doing it for the wrong reasons because the the whole purpose of having a program yeah. is to share those values and to, and to instill those. And so we've made some changes in that. And then we've also made some changes in our actual programs through the lens of, hey, are we actually accomplishing what we want it to accomplish? Or are we just saying, hey, you know, all the technology worked tonight. The kids were well behaved. <laughs> um, we had a good yep. turnout. Like what an awesome night. Yeah. It's like that's not the, the measure of success. Yeah. Well, it wasn't apparent to me until uh, it was actually several years ago. Our church um, leadership actually hired a secret shopper uh, for all of our locations at our at our church, uh, and they came in and basically we didn't even know that they were going to be coming in. Uh, they shared the results with us afterwards to basically evaluate. Okay, what what do they observe as a newcomer, someone that's never been to our church? Mm-hmm. What would they say are our highest priorities in ministry when mm-hmm. they just come and sit in a service? And so that was really convicting for us because you know, there were some things where they're like, yeah, we, we even if it's a value of yours, it's not portrayed in anything that you guys do on Sunday mornings or, you know, not things that you do on your regular programs. And so one of the observations that they made was, um, you know, it's like we said, like, hey, we're so, you know, for prayer. 
And like, you know, we believe in the power of prayer. And they said, well, you guys didn't pray at all during the service. It's like, okay, well then we don't value prayer, you know? So just from an objective, like observation, what are some things that students and newcomers or, you know, students that have been coming for a while, um, your, your adult leaders, what do they observe about your ministry Mm -hmm. that would say is a core value, even if you don't even think it's a core value? Yeah. So if you say that you're welcoming to newcomers, do you have a newcomer process? You know, if you say that evangelism is a high priority in your youth ministry, how are you doing that? Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing in your weekly programming that would tell people that? Mm-hmm. So are your priorities or are your values only on your website or yeah. only in your brain or are they reflected in your youth ministry programming? So that's what we're really talking about, how to actually practically do that. How can you sit down? Sometimes it might mean saying no to certain things mm-hmm. uh, so that you can say yes to the right things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and sometimes we're inheriting programs that we got from a previous youth pastor or from other, um, you know, leadership of the church. We're kind of inheriting some programs that we can't change. So how can we make the most of that? We're going to be talking about that a little bit here today, too. But the biggest thing is uh, is making sure that anything that we do, there's a reason for it. I mm-hmm. think if we can summarize what we're talking about today is making sure that you're purposeful and intentional about doing the, the things that, that you feel are the most important in those times that you meet and, and that you gather. Um, so for us, the big shift for us was really making sure if we're going to be an outreach focus, if we're going to be an evangelism you know, training ground for students to share the gospel with friend, relational evangelism, um, we have a bold vision in our area. We want to see you know the 200,000 plus teenagers in our in our area hear the gospel from a friend. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to be serious about that, how are we prioritizing that in our youth ministries? And so one just small shift we made was... Um, just talking about events, like, you know, asking people how, you know, who they're sharing the gospel with. Um, we have testimonies of students that come up and share gospel conversations that they had, the good, bad, and the ugly, mm-hmm. prioritizing that in our program. But one of the biggest shifts that we made too was praying for those conversations, praying for the lost. And so we implementing, uh, we implemented, uh, you know, like it's, it's about five to 10 minutes, every program that we have of just praying mm-hmm. um, where we get down on our knees, everybody, in, it's kind of awkward for new students. If, they, if they're not used to prayer, but we're like, we want to be dedicated to mm-hmm. it. And people see that it's a priority in our youth ministry because we believe in intercessory prayer and the power of prayer. So we want to get our knees before the Lord, thank him for the things he's done, praise him for the things that, uh, that uh, you know, for who he is, um, you know, uh, pray for students by name for salvation. Mm-hmm. And we do that every time as a reflection of our priority of intercessory prayer being important to us. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what are some things that you guys have done in your youth ministry to prioritize some of the the values that you have? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and I think people hear this, and um, we've done a lot, but I think people get nervous because they're like, we only have so much time, we can't add more. And what we need to understand is, yes, yeah, sometimes it's carving out time, but other times it's just the way you do things. So, for instance, um, we value sharing the gospel with, you know, we want every student who comes to our ministry to share the gospel. Well, how do we do that? Well, we made a shift a little bit ago to where every new student comes, one of our um, adult leaders We'll welcome that new student, have them, you know, fill out their information. And then we actually have a gift that we give them. And in that gift is a little card that explains when we meet and on the backside explains the gospel. And so all of our leaders, you know, are have the ability, whenever a new student comes, the first thing they're going to hear is, you know, what we're all about and what we believe. And then we just share the gospel with them. And it's in a way that's non-threatening. It's not awkward because, hey, you're, you're here for the first time. We want you to know what we're all about. And then every time during our program, we have a time where one of our students literally stands up and they say, this is what the gospel is and they share it. And, you know, the first couple of times everybody's like, okay, it seems a little bit odd, but now our kids have just settled into it of like, oh yeah, this is what we believe. So we share it every time in case anybody's new or doesn't believe this yet. 
Um, we had the same thing about prayer where, you know, we were just kind of praying to, to open and close and weren't really giving students opportunities to pray. And um, we've talked about this in, in prior episodes, but, you know, we literally instituted a time of prayer where we gave an opportunity for everybody to pray out loud all at once. It's really cool. My favorite part of our programming. And um, we gave them an opportunity. And then one of the things I think is subtle, and I would encourage any um, student ministry or anybody meeting to do is, you know, we, we place a big value on reading God's word because God places a huge value on it. Are you sure? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, but how many times have you been in a room where somebody's preaching and nobody has a Bible? Um, and so we literally have a class set of paper Bibles. They're not allowed to use their phones. Um, and we don't start until everybody has a Bible. So it's like, hey, if you don't have a Bible, go grab one. Yeah. And, that, and we tell them, you know, hey, turn to this passage. This, you know, th it might be later in our message when we get to it, we're referencing a lot of things. So we use the screen, but we always have one passage that intentionally we don't put the words up on the screen because we want them want to them turn it. and find in their Bible. So, yeah, you know, e even things that it's, you're not adding any time simply. I mean, although some kids, it might take them a few minutes to, to find that passage. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you say you're valuing scripture, are you having kids learn? Like we value yeah. scripture by the small things that you do as well. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, so, you know, we're, part of McLean Bible Church. And I remember um, you know, we used to talk about, it's like, we're McLean Bible Church, not McLean PowerPoint Church. Like, we're not we're not McLean Screen Church. Like, yeah. we want you to open up your physical Bible. Yeah. And, uh, and to, just to make sure that that's like a, a habit, like where students actually know where you know, books of the Bible are, like yeah. to look at the table of contents and, and to, you know, to, to know, like, you know, the, the secrets of finding where Galatians is. It's like, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Girls Eat Potato Chips, General Electric Power Company, like all George Eats Popscorn. That's a new one. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so all that stuff, like, yeah, are we prioritizing? Like, do we believe that opening up the Bible is, is important? Um, then if so, are we, you know, making yeah. room for that? Are we providing, you know, priorities in our, in our programming? Um, one of the things that I think is a common thing uh, we've experienced it. I'm sure. Um, even if you have so much support from you know your parents and your students and your leadership of your church, sometimes there's programs that are sacred cows. Yeah. You know, that, that are like, okay, these are off limits. Or it's not even just like a sacred cow where they wouldn't say like, you can never change this. It's mm -hmm. just any type of change can be perceived as a personal attack on someone that might have created that mm -hmm. program, or you know, because there was a purpose for it then. Yeah. Um, or you have people that just don't like change and that, you know, any kind of change is going to present, um, you know, challenges with that. So, you know, I kind of categorize that into three different categories. So you have, sometimes there's parent pushback. You know, so if you schedule a change in the time that you meet, of course, there, that can alter student, you know, uh, parent schedules and family schedules, but also, um, uh, you know, you can have student pushback, you know, even students within your ministry mm -hmm. can push back when you start to prioritize certain things that you feel are necessary in what you've you know, felt called to do. And then you have like, sometimes it's senior leadership pushback where you present a change or sometimes, uh, you know, I wouldn't recommend this, but you change something and then, you know, they find out about it and you, know, you thought that you had the freedom to do that, but it wasn't mm -hmm. the freedom that you expected. So what are some challenges that, that you've seen or even recommendations you would make to someone that is experiencing one or maybe all of those pushbacks mm -hmm. from parents, students, or senior leadership when it comes to program changes? Yeah, I think um, one thing you have to understand is the things that motivate us are the promise of reward and the fear of missing out. And so understanding that, hey, what is really the motivation behind what we're doing? And what is our motivation to encourage people to want to be a part of it? And so whenever you make a change, you know, obviously you need to have a reason why, but also understanding and being able to communicate clearly 
hey, this is why we're making this change because this will help us accomplish our goal, mm-hmm. um, goals more clearly, or this will allow us to take the gospel further. Because um, nobody really wants to be on the other side of like, well, I don't want you to have a bigger impact for Christ. You know, yeah. nobody nobody wants yeah. to take that position, yeah. and and we're not trying to manipulate situation. But by simply saying, hey. This isn't allowing us to have the gospel impact that we know this can have. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, this is maybe limiting us in terms of the ministry that we're able to do when we do have students here for a you know finite amount of time. This is going to allow us to expand and grow bigger. And so when you kind of keep the main thing the main thing, yeah. it kind of diffuses all of that because – Hey, we're all for the gospel. Yeah, um, yeah. And so nobody wants to, to be against that. And so when you're clear and saying, hey, this isn't because, um, you know, I want to go to the gym on Wednesday night. So I now I need to yeah. change my schedule around. It's, hey, it's going to allow us to, to do more ministry and, and to be more effective mm-hmm. with the limited amount of time that we have. Yeah. So being able to clearly communicate that in terms of, because it, it is, it, there's convenience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the message we have is not a gospel of convenience. And and Jesus sometimes actually made it inconvenient to follow him because he wanted people to understand it. So I'm not saying we want to make a, like our, our youth group, like, you know, it, it's like yeah. Wednesdays at noon, you know, because nobody can come. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see who cares. Yeah. Um, you do want to make it as easy as possible for the masses to, to come. But at the same time, we don't want that to be our sole value of just, we just want to do it when everybody can come. It's like, mm-hmm. no, we, we want to do it when we can have the greatest impact for God's kingdom. Yep. So when we can communicate that, I think it just kind of diffuses um, that. Well, and I think you have like, you know, scheduling changes that obviously can impact more than we see on the surface. Right? Yeah, so, yep. you know, even having four kids of my own now, scheduling is like a nightmare right now, like yeah. trying to get everybody to where they're supposed to go in now that they're doing sports and stuff. Yeah. So, so it's definitely challenging for families and you want to you know be cautious of that. Yes. So scheduling changes, that's a no brainer. That can just be literally just practically harder for yes. families to make it out to a different night or whatever. Yep. Um, but when we're changing priorities within the same schedule, so in other words, you have when, you know, Wednesday night youth group from 630 to 830 yep. or whatever time, and you're just changing priorities with that. I found that sometimes students can push back. Yes. And, and you, you, uh, you've shared with about this for me, like, yeah. or with me about how, when you started prioritizing like mm-hmm. evangelism and like, you know, focusing like on equipping students, not just entertaining, mm-hmm. But what are some challenges that you've seen uh, from students and how did you handle those? Because uh, that can be sometimes personally like mm-hmm. really difficult yeah. because when you're, you're trying to care for students um, and I have some thoughts on this, I'm like, uh, but I want to hear your, your take on it too of, of how you kind of navigated that. Um, you can take it personally because this is something that you're, you know, maybe you came up with this idea and mm-hmm. then now people are attacking it and it's hard to separate yourself from, okay, this was an idea versus this is me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and so when someone has opposition, we often can take it personally. Yeah. So, so how did you navigate those waters when you had students that were opposing what you're focusing on? Yeah. Um, we tried to communicate as best as possible again, why we were doing this and, and taking them to scripture um, for them to understand it. Because mm-hmm. the beauty of when we are um, believers is we can go to scripture and say, hey, let me remind you what God says about us as believers. And so when you make shifts within your ministry, you are because kids um, are used to what they're used to and they're there for a reason, right? They're there because they like what you're doing. And so when you make a change, you, you must do so with the idea in mind that, hey, this might change the group dynamic if we're making a change, so we don't want to take that lightly. But kind of explaining um, to students, this is bigger than us, mm-hmm. and this is beyond, as as we've titled this entire you know podcast, beyond the youth room. So, mm-hmm. so it's not just here. It's you know we don't want to. Um, 
I think it was, um, I forget exactly who said it, but they said, it's, it's a shame for us to preach the gospel um, to somebody a second time if somebody out there hasn't heard it the first time. Mm-hmm. And so helping them to understand that this isn't just about this group that meets here. This is yeah. about the impact we can have. It's just for you yes. and your own comfort and yes. your own entertainment. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we see it in scripture, right? Where where Christ um, calls his disciples to more and most of them are like, yeah, I don't, don't want to do that actually. Like, let's let's leave. So we're in great company, you know, if, if we're doing the things for the reasons. Mm-hmm. But I think just trying to explain to them and just for them to open their eyes to see, okay, so this whole message is it's not about me, it's about others. It's like, yes, that's that's what Jesus mm-hmm. said. And we still value you. We still want you to be a part of this. So make sure that they don't feel excluded when you make yeah. that change that, hey, you're not meeting what God wants us to do. So we, you know, it's like yeah. inviting them in to say, hey, why don't you help us make this shift and, mm-hmm. and to, to be a part of this where we can then do bigger ministry together um, and inviting them into that. Because kids want to be bigger. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And so when you invite them in, as opposed to we're stopping this, we're doing this, when they see themselves as I get to play a role in this, Mm -hmm. I think that helps kind of ease that um, transition. Yeah. Well, it also keeps us in check too. We want to make sure that we're prioritizing things that we believe are the right things. Mm -hmm. You know, so if we're just prioritizing something for, you know, just it's like, well, we want to play more games or, you know, we want. it's like, is that going to make an eternal impact? Mm-hmm. Um, versus like training students on how to share the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. So when it comes down to it, like sometimes you just got to be firm in what the Lord, you know, what you feel like the Lord is calling you to do or make changes yeah. where you can not, not that you have to defend it, but like that you're, mm-hmm. you know, saying like, okay, no, this is where I want, you can't just be loosey goosey and just change. It's like, oh, someone complained. So I got to change it again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then also remembering there is such thing as a vocal minority. Mm-hmm. Like, so for every student that might complain about it, there might be nine students that, are ready for that challenge to take it up the next level and really be, mm-hmm. you know, focused on, on, um, you know, some of the priorities that you're, that you feel convicted about. And so to remember that it's like, we can't just cater to the one person that complains and the nine people that were silent because they're enjoying it. Yeah. You know, so we got to be cautious of that when it comes to parents or, you know, uh, students that might complain. Um, but yeah, I was even talking with a youth leader that was discouraged because some of his upperclassmen, you know, that had been in the youth ministry, they were making some changes and the upperclassmen that had been there for several years are now complaining because it's not how it used to be. Mm-hmm. And so I know for us, uh, there was a, a time where when I first came out to our uh, um, satellite location um, uh, years ago, there was a set of upperclassmen that had originally came from our main location when they had planted the satellite location. And, uh, and what happened was they were complaining about it not being like the main location's youth ministry. And so I came from the main location of the youth ministry. So I was like, okay, well, let's make some changes to do that. Guess who didn't show up? The people that complained. Like, when yeah. I, made, I was like, we're going to do these types of programs. Like, we're going to do that. And they didn't even show up. I was like, this is what I, I did this for you. And so I, I uh, you know, was talking with a mentor at the time about it. And he was like, yeah, you almost need to, like, you know, for students that are just not willing to change or not willing to, like, adapt. Like, obviously, like you said, care for them. Like, you mm-hmm. want to not exclude them. But your main priority is focusing on the high will, low skill students that mm-hmm. are like they're really in it and you know for the long haul, but they just need to know how to, yeah. to really live out the gospel. Yeah. And so students that usually complain are usually the ones that are more comfortable or students that are what we call like the low will, mm-hmm. high skill people. Like they might have been raised in the church and they're just upset that something's changing, but they don't really have a motivation to to you know mm-hmm. to be better, to you know, to uh to follow the Lord more closely. So when it comes down to it, yeah, we can have parent um you know, pushback, we can have student pushback, we can have senior leadership pushback. And I think with all those, the common denominator is what you're saying is we have the right motivation. We have the same motivation. Mm-hmm. We want to care for students. We want to, you know, share the gospel. We want to reach the lost. We want to, mm-hmm. uh, and if we can't agree on that motivation, like they're like, yeah. no, we don't want to make disciples. 
well, then you know that's like really obviously clear that yeah. like you're not on the same page. But sometimes we can have the same motivation, but we believe in a different method. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's where we have to realize one, it can be preferential. Yes. So it's not like we're saying in Second Corinthians four three it says to have youth group on Wednesday nights at eight. Or, you know, it's like no, there's not like a clear like command in scripture mm-hmm. when it comes to scheduling or prioritizing. Like there's obviously principles that we can glean from uh, to to lead our youth ministry. But at the end of the day, if we have the same motivation, we have a different method then there's this one card that like I can pull out in a very rare circumstance that like I don't use it flippantly because I think it's a very serious mm-hmm. thing where I've had this conversation with some parents that are or some leadership or some students that are like, like you're wrong in this, like you're, you know, and, um, and I'm like, listen, I get that we disagree on the method of what we, how we want to do this. But at the end of the day, I have to stand before the Lord on the decisions that we make about this ministry. Like I personally am responsible for this mm-hmm. and I'm not responsible to you. You know, and you don't have to, you don't have to give the count for the people that you're in charge of or you know caring mm-hmm. for, and so let me carry that burden and make this decision where I feel like the Lord is leading us to do, and even if it means like it's it's contrary to what you you know how you think, but at the end of the day, you're not the one that would be responsible for caring yeah. for this this flock that the Lord has entrusted that He's bought with His own blood, and you know, and to not make that like a this like Jesus yeah not card, a Trump whatever. Card. But uh, but to really say like, hey, at the end of the day, like we we may disagree on the method, we have the same motivation, but at the end of the day, like I'm gonna have to answer for the Lord, and I feel comfortable in making this decision based on you know how I feel like the Lord's leading us right now in this time, and um and that might change, you know. So like I've I've been vocal about that too. Where it's like you don't know from like, I mean, if you have like a clear you know direction from the Lord, it's like where I was like I was sitting in my living room and a brick came through the window and on it said change youth group to prioritize more that you know it's like. No, it's never that absolutely like 100% clear. We want to make sure that we're, um, you know, we're open to say, hey, look, we're going to try this. Like we're, it's all, you know, sometimes it's experimental. I'm figuring this out. Like we're really trying to do the best we can with what we have. And at the end of the day, like we're, you know, we're just going to trust the Lord that this is the next step. And it doesn't mean that we can never change it back, but mm-hmm. oh, this is what we're going to focus on during this time. So with that, you have, um, you know, potential um, pushback from you know, parents and leadership, students, we talked about some practical solutions on how to address that as far as focusing on the commonality of, of the same motivation, but maybe different mm-hmm. methods, um, how you can um, really do that. But what are some things that we should prioritize? Mm-hmm. We hit on this a little bit. Uh, I talked a little bit personally about you know prayer and evangelism. What are some other priorities that we need to have in our youth ministries to really be more effective? Yeah. Well, Acts 2 gives us the model for you know the what we're supposed to do when we gather. Acts 2.42 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And so every time they got together, they were they were learning about Christ. Um, they were fellowshipping, creating community amongst each other. They were breaking of bread, so they were caring for each other and, and making sure that needs were met. And then they were praying. So they were praying for everybody, um, you know, for any needs that they had. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of gives us a, a model, a lot of, that can fit underneath of there. But um, one of the things that we like to say is, if you only ever come to our youth group once, we want you to know what we're all about. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a um, convicting story about this. Actually, just last night at youth group, I was talking to one of our our faithful students, and she had brought a friend to our New Year's Eve party um, this past um, January. And her friend, you know, after we'd given an invitation, her friend made it clear that she wanted to accept Christ. And um, I actually was able to have her friend who brought her lead her to Christ, which is really, really cool. And that was the last time we saw that student at youth group. 
And so I just kind of assumed like, man, you know, that student must have told her parents like what the decision she made and they weren't happy with it. And so I'd been thinking about the student. And so last night I asked, um, you know, the girl who brought her, I said, hey, what whatever happened to her? She was like, oh, she moved to Connecticut. And so I was just like, oh my word, like, thank you, God, because if we would, you know, like God could still save her. He doesn't, he doesn't need us. But if we weren't faithful in doing that, and if you hadn't, you know, impressed that upon us to do that, we wouldn't have been able to be the ones that, that played a role in that. Or maybe she would have never trusted Christ. We don't know. But it was just a good reminder to me of like, man, if a kid ever comes once, like we want them to know what God says about yeah. them and what he says is true. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think sharing, do they know the gospel? If a kid comes once, do they know the gospel? Number two, are you tangibly showing them some way that you care about them? Mm-hmm. If a kid is in a, in a rough spot, if a student is really struggling, will they come once and see, hey, I don't know if I believe everything they believe, but do they care about me? Are they showing that in some tangible way, whatever yeah. that looks like, whether a gift or food or simply just talking to them, having conversation? Yeah. Are we praying every time we get together? Are we are we praying for each other and and for the lost? Are we, um, you know, turning it back to God and saying this is the whole reason we're here? And then, you know, are we learning more about God every time we get together? Are we opening His Word yeah, and and word. and talking about what God has for us as opposed to just, hey, how'd your week go? You know, th- those aren't bad conversations, but if that's all it is, we never get into what God has for us. Yeah. Um, then, then we're missing a, a, a huge piece, uh, the main piece of of God's entire commands. Definitely. All right. So, the biggest question: Should you give a gospel invitation every single time you have weekly programming, or you know, obviously, like it, it seems to be more frequent when we have like outreach-driven events mm-hmm. or like invite nights or you know, like different. Should you give the gospel every time you meet? Yes. Why? Because you don't know if you're going to see that student again. Okay, so what about the other students that have heard it a thousand times and they're like, ah, here he goes again, sharing the gospel, giving an invitation again. Like, what would you say to that student? Um, It's not about you. <laughs> now, yeah. now I will say th- there are different ways you can do it. Yeah. So, and and I think that's what we found is more the, creative a different it. way to create that invitation. But yes, um, yep. if if we're if the gospel is boring to us, then we probably don't understand the gospel. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I remember there was a quote from Martin Luther or a story from Martin Luther where you know, he was sharing the gospel like every single time, you know, his, his, his church was gathering and, and they were complaining that like, you know, isn't there like something else that you could talk about? He's like, but you keep walking in here like a people that don't believe it. And like, you know, <laughs> maybe that's what we, I'll say to a student. We was saying that to our, you know, our, our uh, congregation or our students, but, uh, but in a way, like, you know, we want to make sure that we're living out the gospel and it should be refreshing every time we hear it. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. wow, like, that's like why, you know, our church, like we, we try to do communion every single week just as a reminder of like the gospel every single time so that we are, you know, it's at the forefront of our minds of like what Jesus did on mm-hmm. the cross. Like his, his, you know, his body was, was, you know, pierced for our transgressions. Like his blood was drained out, like for our, you know, removal of sins. And and so we want to make sure that we're reminding students of that, even the, the believing students in the, in the crowd. But then you also, you never know, like we mm-hmm. have students that are like professing, professing Christians that like will give their life to Christ on and you're like, I thought you were, and they're like, yeah, I just never, it never actually was my own Clicked. faith. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. So to give those gospel opportunities, um, we were talking about this before, uh, before we started recording, but um, I'm just always reminded of D.L. Moody, which I always encourage, um, you know, any, anybody ministry, any believer to really have historical mentors, meaning like, you know, missionary biographies, like, you know, that I'm huge on it. All my sons were named after, you know, historical Christian figures. Uh, but D.L. Moody was one of my um, kind of evangelist, um, you know, spiritual mentors, so to speak, historical mentors. 
And, uh, and so reading his stuff is always encouraging, but this little excerpt was really fascinating to me uh, on this topic of giving the gospel every time. So he said on the fifth Sunday night, October 8th, uh, he preached to the largest congregation that he had ever addressed in that city. So he was in Chicago. Having taken first text, what then shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? After preaching, he said, I wish you would take this text home with you and turn it over in your minds during the week. And next Sabbath, we'll come back to Calvary uh, or come to Calvary and on the cross and we'll decide what to do with Jesus of Nazareth. Later on, Dale Moody lamented, what a mistake. I have never dared to give an audience a week to think on their salvation since. If they were lost, they might rise up in judgment against me. I've never seen that congregation since, and I've worked hard to keep back the tears today. I want to tell you uh, one lesson I learned that night, which I've never forgotten. That is, when I preached to press Christ upon the people then and there and to try to bring them to a decision on the spot. I would rather have my right hand cut off than to give an audience now a week to decide what to do with Jesus. So the question is like, what traumatized him so much that he would say such a harsh word, you know, like, the, on, like what a mistake that I would not give the gospel uh, and an invitation. Well, because uh, during his preaching that message on that fifth Sunday night on his series, uh, the great Chicago fire of 1871 was, was happening. So as he preached that night, Chicago was burning in just a few hours, the building that he was preaching in would soon be in ashes. He would never see those people again, and he would never miss the opportunity to give an invitation again. Hmm. And talking about like a humbling thing that I hope none of us have to go through, which yeah. is like where, man, we wish we would have given the gospel to a student that perished or, you know, and, and, uh, and so when it comes down to it, yeah, take that opportunity, prioritize that in your programs so that you can uh, make sure that, that, you know, if there's any students that have walked in that, that may not have clicked before, like that you might've seen them a hundred times, but it was that night that they needed to hear it, uh, where the Lord had, had brought them. Um, so when it comes to, um, even, uh, prioritizing evangelism and um, and prayer and welcoming new students, all those different things. Um, what are some practical ways that we can li- literally just like plan it out, like to where you know we only have so much time mm-hmm. in a program that we have with students. You know, maybe that's an hour or two hours, depending on you know what what it is. Um, what are some practical steps that we can make sure that we're prioritizing the right things mm-hmm. and not just entertaining or not just you know um, doing things that we're comfortable with? Like, what are some things that we can practically do to make sure that those prioritize uh, that we're prioritizing the, the right values. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love that quote. It's probably my, the quote that stuck with me the most in youth ministry is what you win them with is what you win them to. Mm-hmm. And so I think we can play that game all day long of, we can all run a great program. Um, if you give us an endless budget, you know, we can all run a great program, but um, only when we, when we turn to God, can, can we do great ministry? And I think first is just a blank slate is coming back to your, you know, entire, everything you're doing. And it is always on the table if God calls us to change something. Mm. And so if you're trying to figure out, are we really programming our priorities? You need to go back and figure out what are my priorities? What, what are the priorities specifically that, that God has given me? And again, we know general ones that, that are true for all of us. And then looking, going step by step through every single part of your program and saying, does this really accomplish what we want it to accomplish? Yes or no. And you can literally take a check mark of your priorities. I would encourage you list them out and then go through your programs and you can literally do a check next to each thing you do and say, oh, this accomplishes this. Mm-hmm. For instance, um, when a new student comes, they get a lanyard. On that lanyard has the gospel that's shared with them. So we've shared the gospel with with every student that has ever been a youth group check. Um, you know, we have free time. We have games. They're, they're a good thing to have. Yeah. But why do we have them? Mm-hmm. So whenever we play a game, guess what? Everybody's participating. I don't want to participate. Well, I'm sorry. This is something we're doing together. Um, and, and, and they understand yeah. 
hey, it's not about me, it's about us, and we're creating community and we're designing games for them to create community. Check. Hey, you know, we have an opportunity for somebody to share the gospel every single time. But we're also praying every single time. We we can see that in our priorities. Mm-hmm. Check. You can go down the list and see what's accomplishing. And if you get to something that, well, this doesn't really, you know, advance our priorities in any way, but we've always done it. Yeah. Well, then it's like, well, either we need to change it so it does, or we need to replace it with something that will, mm-hmm. because we only have a finite amount of time. So I think when you put everything on the table. And you can literally write out your priorities and go through your program and just see where it is. You might find things that like, we've always done this, but why do we do that? Mm-hmm. And guess what? There's there's a lot of consternation about change. I couldn't tell you how many things I've changed and nobody cared and nobody said anything. Nobody yeah, missed likewise, it. Yeah. But it, but to me, it was like, we we've always that, done yeah. it this way. Yeah. Um, so I think putting everything on the table, praying about what God wants you to do, and then actually going through and talk to your leaders, talk to your adult leaders, talk to a student who came for the first time yeah. and say, what do you think of tonight? You know, the, those that are more outgoing, hey, what would you say we're all about if you only came once? Mm-hmm. Just asking them those things and, and they'll be honest. We, we know that about, yeah. about teenagers. Yeah. yeah. Well, it reminds me of uh, an old story where there was a, a, a daughter who um, learned how to make a roast from her mom and, and literally like she would get the roast, she would cut the ends off of it, put it in the oven and mm-hmm. you know, create, you know, and make the roast. And one day she was thinking, she's like, why do we cut the ends off the roast? And so she asked her mom, and she's like, oh, that's just how your grandmother, like my mom did it. And so they're like, well, let's go ask grandma. Like, why does she cut the ends off the roast? And and she's like, oh, because our oven wasn't big enough. <laughs> and, and so literally, like, they just passed this tradition down, mm-hmm. not even knowing what the real reason was. It might have had a reason back then, mm-hmm. but now it's irrelevant and they yeah. just have done that tradition without even questioning it. Mm-hmm. And so there's some things in our ministries that we've done forever that we've never questioned uh, mm-hmm. if we should do them still and, uh, and, you know, uh, different programming elements. So we want to make sure that we're constantly evaluating that. I think the biggest shift in just the foundational approach to it is, is your ministry, are, are you focused on creating a ministry that's a come and see type of ministry or a go and tell type of ministry? Mm-hmm. And that just little you know, twist of a focus can really make a difference in how you, now we want to have like an excellent program. Yeah. We want to have, you know, um, like a safe environment. We want to have, you know, welcoming environment. We want to care for students. We want to equip the saints. We want to do all those things. But I think in some ways when people hear about the, you know, the gospel from a friend, like, and, and we've seen this too, like you've had more opportunity, you've seen more students come to Christ as you've equipped students mm-hmm. using your programs then you had like I mean you had what five hundred gospel conversations last year almost four? we had we had three sixty five but the year before we had seventeen yeah, kids trust Christ when we made the shift we had forty seven yeah and so so you have a huge increase of you know people that are coming to Christ hearing the gospel that you can't even fit in your youth room right Mm-mm. can you fit three hundred sixty five people in your youth room nope no so, I need a bigger youth room yeah and so with that we you know we have this like mentality of of program it's like where if you build it they will come. And, and it's like, no, if you, if you equip them, they will tell. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the, the reality that we need to have in that, that mindset. And so then how can we structure the program to gather the students mm-hmm. that are believers and, and you still provide opportunities for the gospel to be heard from students that aren't believers that might come. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause occasionally you've seen these videos where there's fishermen that literally fish will jump into their boat and they're like, oh, what? You know? And that's, that's the case. Like sometimes you'll have literally like, you know, non-believers that'll just come to your youth group or come mm-hmm. to your church. Um, but how can we really focus our attention to equipping students to share the gospel even outside the church so that when they gather, they then are scattering out mm-hmm. to the world to, to share the gospel? So I think that's the biggest focus is is really you know building a go and tell type of ministry rather than just a come and see. Um, yeah. But then we have to have that balance too of, you know, well, 
non-believers can still come to our youth group and we want to share the gospel with them as well. Yeah. So uh, that's all we have for today, uh, unless you have anything else to add. Yeah, one one quote that just struck me that goes perfectly with what you just said. Paul Harvey says, we strayed from being fishers of men to being keepers of the aquarium. Mm-hmm. And so let it be our prayer yeah. that we always keep the main thing the main thing and we don't focus on the aquarium that we've built and established, mm-hmm. but but we continue to see the the harvest that is that is out there waiting, you know, for us to go fish for. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, as we've mentioned in the past, uh, this edge or this uh this edge club, this uh podcast is sponsored by Edge Club, and we have a free training manual that we'd love for you to go download. Uh, you can go to edgeclub.org, and uh, and you can download the manual that will help you to mobilize students to share the gospel in public schools. Love for you to go check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, if you've received value from this podcast or this video, wherever you're seeing this, we'd love for you to uh, to tell other people. Uh, if it can benefit you, we believe that it can benefit even other people uh, that you know. So please share and comment, like. It helps the algorithms and all that, all that crazy stuff uh, to, to push us out to more people so that that we can uh, invest and care for other people. So thank you guys so much for joining. We'll see you next time.